This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I am your host, Cam Edwards. Miss E is with us once again. I apologize for... uh, not having a podcast last week because I know that uh, you're just you're waiting right each and every week. When is it gonna come out? And then we didn't we didn't give you one last week, and that was just because uh, life got really really busy um, for many reasons. You know uh, about Miss E's uh, uh, ankle, and, and thank you all for all of the kind words. Uh, the good news is that, uh, honey, you're you're not uh, completely unable to move this week. No, I think the smartest thing that happened was for the emergency room doctor to actually tell me that they thought it was broken because I totally and completely stayed off it until I did a follow-up with the orthopedic doctor who said that they couldn't find a broken bone and just, you know, take it easy and just go back to walking and putting weight on it when I felt comfortable. And then it didn't take very long. I, I tried to walk around in a boot, and the problem with the boot is it sort of added like an inch and a half of length on one side so i ended up walking around the house looking like quasimodo because i was all like yes clunk 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 and like all kind of off kilter so uh it was nice to finally just go said let me try it without it and limp around the house and then you know we moved the hog fence on saturday and i overdid it of course that's you yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm feeling better let me push myself to the limit but i'm i'm feeling better again so yeah (laughs) Well, good. I, I'm i really, really happy to hear that. And yes, as uh, Missy said, I had to travel. Uh, I had to go up to uh, D.C. We had the book party for heavy lifting, which was really, really cool. And it was uh, a lot of fun. So if uh, you're among those who made it out, thank you very much. I don't. I didn't recognize some people. I assume that Jim had invited them. They could have just wandered in and said, <laughs> oh, it looks like they're serving beer here. Let's Thanks. let's see what we can get. Have fun. Uh, oh, a book to take. Eh. Yeah, I think I'll go ahead and pass on that. But uh, <laughs> no, it was a, it was a really good time and a uh, very busy week. Uh, Charles Cook from National Review was uh, up uh, as well. Actually, maybe we've talked. No, maybe we've actually had a conversation since the book party. No, I guess we haven't. Cause no, because because you, you were out and you were out. Yeah, and so I no, was out. But Charles would have been down because he's north. Right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, again, I, I feel like with, with things have just been so busy. I can't even recall all of what's gone on since uh, we last had a 40 acres in a fool but uh, but but you are recovering and that's good and the, uh, the the children who you might be able to hear in the background loudly frolicking as they uh, get ready to head up to bed here in a few minutes they they actually stepped up when I was out of town and yes. and everything was functional I arrived back home and there was not a huge mountain of dirty dishes in the sink. All of the animals had been fed. Uh, the eggs had been gathered. Uh, and that was good, I think, that they had to step up and 
do a little heavy lifting of their own. Yes, they did. And they did. But as soon as I could walk again, they like, oh. Oh, of course. It was totally temporary. <laughs> like, oh, mom. Oh, mom. Oh, good. Rock- hey, oh, oh, can oh, you, look. Can oh. you make me a sandwich, the kind of sandwich that I've been making for myself for the past week? Yeah, because I, I can't. I, I've lost that knowledge now. Yeah. I know. No, that, that's the thing. They have to understand uh, that, that things aren't going back to... Uh, exactly the way they were before. Now that we know that uh, they can do this stuff, uh, they're going to be doing more around the house. This yes. Is, this is part of growing up. So. But, but they did do a lot, although we did exist on like some of that frozen <laughs> Insta food for about a week, and I was like, when will I ever have a fresh vegetable again? And Yeah, but it was okay. But I, I, was, I, was, I was very, in the end, I was pleased that I thought it was broken because it forced me to have to just do nothing, put no weight on it, completely baby it. And then I found out that it actually wasn't broken. It was just a, a really, really bad sprain that right now I'm walking around without the boot, without crutches. Sometimes when I'm tired, there's a limp. Sometimes I'm not still limping, but yeah, much better. Right now it hurts. It's the end of a day. Right. But, um, yeah, I had the same thing generally with my fingers when I had the mechanical... <laughs> Bull accident. Yes, I, I, I should that. just say my bull riding incident, my bull riding accident, because that sounds so much cooler than uh, yeah. my my mechanical bull uh, riding accident, where I you tore wrenched. wrenched a couple of tendons yeah. in my my fingers uh, while I was at Shot Show in Las Vegas. Uh, and it does. It just takes time to heal, and it gradually gets better. And you'll get little twinges. They're still, you know, on rainy days, like my fingers still don't quite tense up right uh, on occasion. But uh, you know. You'll, you'll, you'll heal, you'll recover. And in the meantime, when you were on the couch, immobilized, from the waist down anyway, you were knitting up a, a storm. How many socks? <laughs> I was got, a knitting fool. It was amazing. Okay, I come so, home and you're like, oh, I, uh, I started a, a clothing line. We've got uh, 24 dozen that I now, sold on Etsy here. I didn't do that many, but there was there's this really cool little, they're called Turkish bed socks. Uh, I can't remember the the company. I bought it as a pattern from a local yarn store up in Charlottesville, but they have a website and and just it's Turkish bed socks. So they're like little anklet type socks. And I had this great yarn from the Mean Girls Yarn Club, which was the were these great like personally dyed based upon these bad girls in in TV and movies. Okay. So yeah. So anyway. So I had. Uh, I had a couple of skeins, and I ended up making oldest daughter, who just had birthday, uh, three pair, and then I made youngest daughter, for no other reason other than I was still knitting, a pair, and then I made a pair of baby booties, and then I made another pair of baby booties, and then I started at a blanket, but I don't like it, so I just went ahead and chucked the whole thing, and I'm going to start it all over again. Okay. And I've started on it. Because the yarn's really soft. I mean... It's... It's... And it's really pretty. It's, it's really really pretty. It's like a denimish blue, and the other is like a heather gray. And I think for a baby boy, it's a really sort of a, a sophisticated and classic. But I have to find the right pattern to also turn it into something fun and funky mm-hmm. because it's for a baby. I don't want it to be somber, right? You know, uh, I'm thinking fun stripes. I'm thinking Fibonacci, which is a mathematical sequence, and just change it up, up and down. So I thought that would be kind of fun. But I just have to find the magic cast on to get the right size for a baby blanket based upon the um, gauge. 
So kind of a knit thing. I, I totally say, lost yeah, you, yeah, you, but all the knitters, into, all the people who are like knitting, going, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I totally get it." But it's blah blah blah. Way through that sentence, it was like you were speaking Mandarin. All of a sudden, I, I understood the Fibonacci. Yeah. And then after that, it was like, I, uh, "Is it Italian? Is she just now speaking all Italian?" Because it sounds no. No, it was just it was this knit at that point. Um, and then I started. I've been uh, a friend of ours from our old neighborhood. Had asked for. Uh, uh, a tiny pair of booties because a, a, a friend of hers had had a baby who was premature and little bitty. And so I came up with a, a 100% silk little tiny pair, no color, so it'd be good for the skin. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've tried a hat like three different times because I keep not finding the right size. It's got to be little small and I'm not, I'm not getting the right gauge. So, you know, it's getting towards else. the time of year when uh, I, I need a stocking cap for my uh, my bald head but the problem is like i need something that has some elastic to it you tried to knit me a, a, a cap once and before and it it's that it same was very silk. soft it was that same silk that i'm using for but this it doesn't baby stay on my head i no. need it i need it to kind of have a little elastic so it can stay on my head because otherwise it just slides right off what i need to do is use some of who this who knew that by the way if you're listening to 40 acres in a fool you get to uh, hear talk about i need a stocking cap well, what I need Get to off do, my lawn! No, what I need to do is use some of that really fine uh, yarn, like I've been, the, the stuff that I thought for the blanket, mm-hmm. and make you a ribbed, tight-fitting watchman's cap. And that's like a rib knit that has a has a elasticity in it just because of the way that the stitches are. And then it has a, an, it has an, a, you can fold it up or down and fit it over your head. But it's called, my grandmother used to knit yeah, but them for gotta, everybody It's got to the stay there. That's the problem. I know what the watchman head looks but, like. But it'll be thin. Right. And so, and elasticy. So, and probably I could knit in some, they have this sock right. yarn that's elastic and that sort of creates even more of a stretch. Okay. It needs more grip than stretch. Well, that's what this would do. It's, it's like, it, it would be like. The elastic thread in a sock. Yeah. So it's that rubberized bit. You can sort of knit it into the hat and okay. create a sock for your head. Will you do this? Will you craft a design and, and put this together and then put the design out somewhere so people can download the... Well, the, I could only probably do it if they knew people with really large heads because I'm designing Everybody it knows you. a big-headed <laughs> guy or gal in their life. Who needs a stocking cap? We all know that person. <laughs> I'll have to see what I can. And by the way, when with. you say that I have a, a big head, you don't mean that I'm full of myself. Usually, you you mean that I just have. No, a, you just have a round head. A big round. You just have a big round head. head. Yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah, all our our your kids do too. It's true. Solid. Yeah. We're big, solid. Solid like like our first son His came out with nowhere. a big, I mean, big head, <laughs> big big head. All right, listen, we're gonna take a, a quick time out. I. I <laughs> I promise there actually is more interesting stuff than I need a stocking cap that we're going to discuss on the program. <laughs> uh, over the past weekend, always lead strong, always open strong, always start with your best stuff. Or weird. Stocking caps, right? <laughs> uh, over the weekend, I, uh, Missy as well, um, headed out and we went to a butchering workshop. Now, Missy has gone to one before and her ankle was kind of bugging her. So, this is more of a social call. Uh, Moral support for you. Yeah, and a little bit of heckling uh, from the uh, background as well. But uh, I didn't heckle. Oh, just a little bit. But uh, but but I was elbow deep in sheep. <laughs> I didn't just realize that rhymed. I think I saw elbow deep in sheep open up for uh, modest mouse. Right? Was that was that elbow <laughs> deep in sheep? Or it was something like that. Of? that was, I don't uh, know. 
Maybe that was Dogs Die in Hot Cars, which actually is the name of a real band. And if you knew that, then I'm sure someone's going to come up with a band for Elbow Deep and Sheep now. And but it, you were Elbow Deep and Sheep and Hog, didn't you? And Hog to do both. Yep, went whole hog on the uh, hog. So we'll talk about that because it was a uh, new experience for me. I can tell you, and this is Forty Acres and a Fool, so I definitely was the fool when it came to uh, butchering livestock. We'll uh, talk about that. So steal yourself. It might make you hungry, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> I, I imagine it's going to make you laugh. Stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Gathered around the kitchen table here on 40 Acres and a Fool, and thank you for joining us. It is uh, bedtime for the youngest, so you may hear some noise in the background. But uh, if we didn't push on, then we'd have to take a break for like 45 minutes. So we're just going to push on uh, story time, which, uh, again, will be a a page or two from Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, one of the many Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. Uh, That will be taking place during the next break here on 40 Acres and a Fool. But as we uh, headed to break, I talked about the uh, butchering workshop that we attended over the weekend. Now, Miss E has already been to one of these before. Her friend, well, not just her friend, our friend, Val, uh, puts on these uh, classes. And she's almost, you know, the, I would say she's actually as cool and talented. Like, you two are are like these super friends. No, man, she's of, like way better than I am. Like, she can do so much stuff. Like, it's everything. crazy. She's like... I've taken cheese making classes with her. Yeah. She does the butchering workshops. She knows mushrooms to forage. I know. It's, she's amazing. Yeah. She, I am in awe. I stand in awe. I want to be her Padawan uh, and, and have her teach me all of the I already farm am. knowledge. That's kind of cool. Like, I know you are kind of her Padawan. So the very first time that uh, I, I learned to butcher, she called me in December and asked me, hey, do you want to learn? I was like, yeah, totally. And it was like a 1,000-pound hog. And then she had a workshop, and I went, and I did a lot more work than the other guys did. And so, and I got a, I got a really good, I got great knife skills. That's all I got to say. Like she's, <laughs> she said I got great knife skills. Like, we, we did this, we did this baking thing. Yeah. There, there was this apple rose it's like these little tarts that you did with puff pastry mm-hmm. and cinnamon sugar and very thinly sliced apples. And she did it. And it was sort of like a Pinterest, not quite success. It was not a fail, but it didn't look that great. And it was because her apples weren't th- sliced thin enough. And I can slice my apples like paper thin, like wafer thin. Uh, and so I was like, and I got my apples out there and she was just like, Oh, look at you. And I'm like, yeah, I got my mad apple knife skills. So well, that's one thing I could say. I was like, Waha. Well, that's what's cool, actually. Like, you two complement each other very well because 
Uh, you do good bacon, and she she even says you do the yeah, best bacon. That, that, right? She pushes people to me for bacon. So there are there are things that you do that you do well. There are things that she does that she does incredibly awesome. well. Like you've tried to make cheese, and you can do the soft cheese, but you've tried to make the the hard cheese, and it didn't. I mean, like, well, I don't have a, a cheese refrigerator. I don't. Yeah, have something well, I, dedicated oh, I heard that. It. I right. heard that argument. But, I need a cheese cave and. Uh, <laughs> But that, you know, we'll talk about that in a future episode. We don't have space for a cheese cave. We really don't have a cheese cave. I keep saying we could use the cellar, which is rather cave-like, as a cheese cave. But we don't, I don't, we'd have to, there are actually some outlets down there. We'd just have to figure out which worked, and then we'd probably have to build little tiny metal, uh, the little tiny metal wire grid stuff. Mm Mm-hmm cages around everything so they could get the airflow but so mice couldn't get in anywhere right yeah because it's, we have you know, it's mice. an old stone it's, cellar it's, dating back to the 1770s it's an old, it's or an old, early it's 1780s an old farmhouse, right right we've been here for three years and i have yet to, i had yet i had yet to have a problem with mice in the kitchen yeah or the pantry at right. all like we've had them we've heard them scurrying about all over the place in the winter for the mm-hmm. most part Except for last week, uh-huh. and I caught one. So just one so far on the counter in a glue trap. Just one, and I haven't seen any more scat. Yeah, the other glue trap has been untouched in the same location. And sometimes it only takes one to find out. Ooh, here's the mother load. Well, speaking of mother load, I, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but uh, we were traveling far afield, and we're actually shrinking down in size, because just a minute ago, I was elbow deep in sheep, and now all of a sudden, we're talking about mice, so <laughs> let's, let's, and that skews me out, frankly, more mm. than being elbow deep in sheep, so let, let's, let's talk about the, the butchering workshop, if we can, because uh, that was really, really interesting. I, you know, uh, I was just kind of fascinated by what was going to take place. You know, I had no idea. No, it's not gross. That's the thing. Like, that's the first thought I had when I went to one was like, oh, this isn't as gross as I thought it was going to be. I don't feel like I'm going to be sick. No, it flashed. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like the the closest thing is if you ever had to dissect a frog in biology class. Right. Um, And if you ever had to dissect a frog in biology class, if you ever butcher a sheep, you're going to be thinking... Man, why didn't we use sheep? This was so, it would have been so much easier to identify all of the various organs and body parts. Like, oh, okay, here's the liver. Oh, okay, here's the that's bladder. Oh, big. okay, right. Well, that's why it was good for me for the nine with the thousand pound hog. It was like all the parts were supersized. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody said, "Well, how was that?" I was like, "Okay, did you ever play the game Operation?" And you, right. you have these little tiny tweezers that have to get in these little tiny spaces to pick out parts. Yeah. Well, imagine all of a sudden there are these big, giant areas <laughs> and there's your hands that can just go easily take these out. It's all of a sudden it's an easier game, isn't it? Right. And it's easier to learn, too. So, yeah. yeah. That was my explanation for that. It was really, really interesting. Um, it's not smelly, stinky, unless you uh, puncture an intestine, which we did not. Oop, yep. Uh, so I'm... Apparently, uh, my knife skills are okay as well yes, because I got to say, well. with the with the ram, uh, so there's a little bit. You know, every animal obviously is different, and they have a different structure. And so, with the uh, the ram, they have a a much tougher breastbone than with the hogs because of how they lay down. Apparently, the the hog's breastbone is much more cartilagey, and it's easier to uh, to cut through. And you actually, have to get to that point in the butchering process. Um, but also, the they have a thicker stomach. Uh, 
skin and lining uh, hogs do than the than the ram or the sheep would, right? Uh, and so it's, the sheep is a lot thinner, and so you had to be a lot more careful as you were cutting through. Yeah. And this is the gross part. I mean, like it, it but it's not really gross when you're doing it. It might yeah. be completely grody to watch. But when you're actually doing it, again, it's like biology class. Yeah. But this was, you know, this is the the key part is you have to get the organs out and you have to do it relatively quickly and you have to do it without puncturing any of the nasty stuff or you will ruin your meat. Contaminate a lot of stuff. Right. And so this was a lot of, I'll be honest with you, this was a lot of pressure for me handling somebody else's sheep. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That they had paid for. Uh, and a lot of, I mean, you know, not a lot of meat, but I'd say probably, I don't know. I mean, bones included and stuff. You're probably looking at 80, 90 pounds, uh, with the ribs and the shanks and, you know, all that stuff. Well, I think on the hoof, it was probably about 180. So yeah, you're probably looking about 90. Yeah, but about that half with meat. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of meat to ruin. Uh, and this was my very first time doing this. So I was very, very careful. It's very slow. You did a good job. At one point, you know, you you really are. You're elbow deep in there. You're sort of holding everything in. (laughs) Yes. So that as you cut through the lining, every you can take everything out in like one swoop into a bucket. And those gut gloves worked great for that. Yeah, we've got these fantastic. That's exactly what they're called. They're called gut Gut gloves. gloves. Uh, This is not a paid endorsement, but I'll tell you the story. I was at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It was this uh, year, it might have been last year, I think it might have been two years ago, uh, and a, a vendor there, the guy who, who sells the gut gloves, uh, gave me a pair of these. They're fantastic. They are uh, heavy-duty rubber, bright orange, go from your fingertips all the way up to your shoulder, basically. Uh, they rinse off you know, really easily. Uh, they don't hold in or absorb yucky stuff and you can still hold on to a knife right then because you they're not them. they're not slippery like the the, I, the now, hand edges have a little bit of a yeah roughage now, okay and I, the I, I will say that I, I did end up accidentally stabbing myself in the toe with my knife while i was holding on to the gut gloves but it was not the gut gloves fault no you dropped it was your me knife. i just dropped my knife and it just <laughs> happened to uh, pierce my my toe and for a split second i'm like oh you know was there pig blood on there and I'm fine. I haven't turned into a half pig. Nope, you're... Men bear pig. Have any snout issues? Anyway, we haven't had a full moon yet, so no. you never know. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on you. But, uh, but uh, I've used these for uh, processing chickens. I did. I took them with me for that 1,000-pound hog. I took them with me the first time that I did the, the workshop with our friend Val at, at our other friend's house. Yeah, so... So, yeah, and the, this was... The butchering workshop was at uh, another... Uh, a, a couple of friends of ours' place, and so there was, you know, there was a pretty good gathering of people. It was yeah. probably uh, eight or ten people, and like I said, one of the... Uh, the sheep was being done for one of the couples there. They were they to, paid for it. Twenty to sixty, I think, was the age range. Yeah, um, about right. Yeah, yeah. And and some, you know, again, not a lot of folks with farm experience. I mean, this was all pretty new to them. Some, most of them were on farms because um, uh, the younger couple talked about they have a uh, a dairy cow that they're getting. I was asking them all kinds of questions. Uh, you know, how many gallons of milk do you get a day? And they they were saying they were getting like six gallons. A day. Oh, when, with cows. Yeah. yeah. We don't need cows. That's why we don't need that we many. We don't need that much. Um, there was another couple that I was talking to that actually have butchered some of their own animals, but for the most part, they've actually used our butcher. Our our, our processor, right? Yeah. Who's getting USDA certified, we yeah. believe. Yeah. Which means that uh, next year we might be able to sell 
hour bacon. How cool would that be? I well, would love to be able to to do that. We yeah, we'd have to figure that one out. But yeah, totally, we could sell our pork chops. Listen, our I would like to be able to sell it to our friends, even if nothing else. I mean, we know people. Not like we have to go to the the farm stand. We know plenty of people who've wanted to uh, buy our bacon, right? But we can't legally sell our bacon right now this is it has to be not for resale because that's the law in virginia we can we can process our chickens but you cannot sell uh, a non-usda certified pork or beef that's that's against the law so it would be really cool just to be able to say oh fine yeah you want you want to be able to buy our bacon that's great because i like giving bacon to our friends but we don't have we don't have enough bacon to give away to all of our friends who want bacon and i feel bad having to say i'm i'm sorry we don't have any bacon to to give you because we want to eat some you know so it'd be nice to be able to actually like sell some bacon we're gonna have to look into the logistics of that because i'm not too sure that he could he could do my bacon like he he makes bacon so right. it would be his, I don't know. We have to look into it. Uh, but yeah. Oh, you're saying, well, I think if like you get the recipes, bellies, you can smoke like, it. Well, but. I would think. But is that good? Like, he's he already processes it. And so what's the difference from, he processes it and puts it into vacuum sealed bags, but then I open up the bags, I, I break quarantine, I put it into spices. Oh, I see what you're saying there. I I marinate it. I I brine it in the dry rub for X number amount of time. Well, I think I what it. like how many steps does he have to be involved in I, for what, my bacon to be? You you're right. This is actually bacon. a good project for us to investigate. Yeah. What will it take for us to be able to sell our bacon to our friends and our family? Just to sell our bacon to our friends and our family because you're right. I'm guessing he has to do a lot of work. I'm guessing that we could take the the hog to him. He could do the processing, give us the bellies that are wrapped and everything ready to go. Then we could buy that as a wholesaler or whatever. Then take that to a commercial kitchen in Farmville because they have a community commercial kitchen that they you do. can rent. You can rent it's by actually the hour. really really cool. Oh, we should talk with this. Uh, we should talk with the folks from. Uh, the the kitchen in Farmville about this because you can rent out the commercial kitchen space for eight bucks an hour. Yes, it's the county. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a commercial kitchen, and so I bet you could make the bacon there. But would they let me have a smoker inside the facility? Well, I, they might have a smoker there to use. I don't know. It's worth investigating. We should investigate this because yes. it would be cool to actually be able to do that. It would be. Uh, all right, and, and it would also be see. Here's the here's the scary thing. You're you're right. You said earlier we've been here for almost three years, and this is the time of year. This is the time of year where you start to commit yourself to all of the projects that you're going to be doing next spring. I'm talking about the royal you. I'm talking about me here. I was just gonna say not you. you. Do it I'm not. Too. I'm, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I totally do it. We were just talking yeah. yesterday about you know yeah, I think we should go ahead and do bees. I think we should have bees next year. Yes. Now we're talking about, oh yeah I think we should go ahead and uh, go ahead and sell bacon. Uh, yeah we should do that. Yeah, I totally think we should do that. And it was probably three months ago when we were like uh, we're not going to be able to do the farmers market this year. We don't have enough time. We're not doing it right. Like so. Yeah, we keep biting off more than yeah, we can chew. But it's it's still worth investigating the what it would take to actually sell farm-made bacon some because sometimes we just end up with more even than if it's we not need. for us it's, it's a question worth 
posing for other people. Like we still have five, four. We have five hogs. We have four to process. Right. We're keeping Abigail because she's just so darn cute. But we're kind of gonna go away from this breed and get a more less, more less fatty, a less fattier (laughs) hog. Pig, whatever. Yes. Uh, we liked the Tamworth Berkshire mixes, mm-hmm. so we might go ahead and go that away. I, I would. Uh, if- by the way, I wouldn't. It's not that we're not eating Abigail because she's cute. We would, if that was the only qualification, we would still eventually process her and, and, and oh, eat her. Oh no! But, yeah. But, but she's but, the she's the the sow. She's she's our us, sow. I don't know how many. Well, uh, just the seven. Just well, we this can, year. Yeah, but she's only two or three. Right. We can breed her again. Yeah. She's a little chubby. We, we need to go ahead and get her on an exercise regime and get her a little looking hotter. So, yeah, because uh, the male hogs—they are picky. Let me tell you what—they're—they're they're, you know these hogs are like, oh, I'm sorry, I think she's got bony knees. I'm just not interested. I mean, they are—it's unbelievable how picky these hogs are. Actually, it's not. They will—they will do anything. They will—they will a tree, a, you know, a, a rock, a, a tortoise shell. It's. But she's just too big. It's awful. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> All right, listen, we have to take a, a quick time out here on 40 Acres and a Fool. When we come back, uh, we're going to get to some of your thoughts that have been coming in. The uh, email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And more from the 40 Acres as well right after this quick break. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Because it ain't about money and fame and power. It's about that little person inside of you that does not feel good enough. It's the same thing that drives these terrorists in Paris. It's the same thing that drives the Mizu protesters and President Obama and progressives and everywhere. Is not having confidence and faith. Start. The morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool on the Blaze Radio Network. I am your host, Cam Edwards, and thank you again for uh, tuning in the program. Uh, we have a lot of emails here because it has been a couple of weeks since we've been able to, uh, to talk with you. And going through the emails, I realized that, yes, we actually have had a podcast since Miss E broke her ankle because we had a podcast the week. Uh, we actually had a, a podcast. There's Bullet chiming in there. I know, buddy. I know. <laughs> Uh, we had a podcast the uh, the week of the the book party because I remember talking about it on the podcast. You, were here. you I wasn't here and, I was and here. you were there, and I explained the broken ankle. So yeah. so yes, we did get to that. But uh, to to everyone who wrote in, uh, Tiffany not- and Robert uh, and and uh, Trent and everyone else uh, who. Uh, wrote in to say, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your ankle. Thank you." Yeah, and, very much. Thank you, and and and. It's not broken. It was a really, really crazy bad sprain. It felt broken. The ER doctor thought it was broken, but thankfully it wasn't broken. So Exactly. So uh, as Rob asked, uh, do you suppose Hooters will be open on Thanksgiving? I don't care. It's not <laughs> happening. Really, Rob, I'm going to shun you now. You are shunned. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, ha, ha, ha. That was pretty good, Rob. Uh, Trent also uh, wrote in. You can find Trent on Twitter. He's a T Marsh eighty three, and he is very very funny. 
Uh, Trent says, I'm ashamed it took me so long to start listening as I saw you promoting the podcast on Twitter when it first started. I finally got subscribed. I've enjoyed the last three episodes greatly. Trent says, as country kid, quote-unquote, I had horses growing up. I showed hog. I worked on a dairy farm. Collagen and most of that, but now that life has settled in, my wife and I work a garden, and this fall we added chickens. Uh, Trent says, I'm working desperately to get her to buy a garden pig for next year, or buy into a garden pig for next year, mm-hmm. to feed off our garden scraps and our leftovers, but we have some work. I have some work left to do on that. Uh, if you need any help, Trent, uh, let us know, because honestly, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I, I Having one or two pigs around eating the garden scrap uh, if you are allowed uh, in your in your state honestly i can't believe i have to say that but if you're allowed in your state to uh feed your pigs the scraps from your table um i i man good on you i they're just so tasty and it saves so much money uh especially if you can process it yourself about saving the money part but you know where your meat's coming from and that's a good savings onto itself yeah but uh if you get them young and you train them to Electronet, and if you go to Premier One, that's where we get our Electronet. And again, not really an endorsement, but they have great stuff and people love them and they have great customer service. They have a lot of positive feedback. Uh, we keep, we've trained our hogs and they're like, they ended up the biggest last was 308 pounds and we kept them in 30 inch high Electronet because they have a healthy respect for electricity. Mm-hmm. And then we put them with a solar panel and we have, if you have a solar panel, Electronet and a, oh, what's it called? It's like a trickle, it's, it's a trickle type of uh, battery uh, charger that you can get at like your local hardware store or Lowe's or Home Depot or something like that. But it has to be a trickle type so that when you go to periods in the winter or rainy spells when you don't have the sun to recharge the battery and the solar panel, then you are able to bring it in the house and or put it on there wherever and plug right. it in and, and get the battery recharged. And yeah. that's it. But it has to be a trickle type. But yeah, we've had no problems with having the our hogs, no matter what the size, as long as they're trained on Electronet. Uh, Trent says, uh, we got into some chicken talk a few weeks ago on Twitter. I didn't know if you had already covered it earlier, but are you making any special considerations for the birds for this winter, uh, heat or supplemental lighting? Uh, Trent asks, as I'm sure you covered it early on in the podcast, but I wouldn't mind you retracing some of the chicken info if it's been a while for some of us late to the 40-acre party. The uh, the short answer, Trent, is that no, we're, no. we're not making any special considerations. Uh, we, we deep litter the coop during the winter which means basically you let them poop it up you keep shoveling more straw in then you poop it up you shovel more straw and you don't shovel anything out of yeah. the coop until springtime and so you're adding layer after layer of straw it keeps it uh, and it keeps it nice and warm and if you have a you know a decent sized flock so we have nine, nine hens and one rooster right so it's they'll they'll huddle together uh yeah. they you know they, they they'll snuggle up and get close to one another um, the only consideration, I guess, would be we don't hatch any uh, chicks out no. in the winter because they don't make it. They no. need to wait until the spring. And and the other thing you have to think about is that you do not really want to try to run a heating source or electricity into a chicken coop. That's really not yeah, they burn rated down. I mean, because see- they – yeah, we I've seen too many people lose entire flocks of chickens because they got a little afraid and they – Put a heating source. Now we also have heat. We also have cold tolerant chickens. Well, that's true. We we do. But you know, last winter, 
I mean, it got really, really cold for a really long period of time. Uh, and the, the worst that happened to any of our birds... Uh, we didn't have any of them freeze to death. Uh, our rooster chip had a little spot of of look like frostbite. Yeah, uh, on, on comb. his comb. And you can you can if you can catch your chickens, you might want to do this at night uh, because they're easier to deal with because they don't move before the frost comes. Before the frost comes, slather up their combs and with their Vaseline. Waddle. Yeah, and their waddle underneath with Vaseline. Yep. But that's really. You know, they're very insulated with their feathers. They can, you know, especially if you do get a cold, hardy breed. Um, so, no, I've, I've, we've got a couple of other uh, friends on Twitter. Um, Andy, I don't know if you follow Andy in Massachusetts, uh, Trent, but he's also raising chickens. And he only has four, so he was a little concerned that they wouldn't be able to all, you know, huddle up and generate enough warmth. Uh, and he's also in Massachusetts yeah. where it might be a little bit colder. But uh, but in, in Virginia, we're not uh, taking any particular precautions other than the, the deep litter. Um, let's see. I think we're going to actually have to uh, uh, do two segments here with uh, uh, emails, which is fantastic. Thank you very much. The email address is always just 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, Lena writing in from Idaho and uh, also uh, wishing Miss E., uh, condolences. There's never a good time for this to happen to no. any parent, she says. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, my prayers for a speedy recovery. Well, I think your prayers have been answered, Lena. Yes. Uh, Lena says, I wanted to send you a note as an update to my last email. So many times while listening to the podcast, I think of many things to write about in response to your comments and others' emails. She says, unfortunately, I haven't emailed you and all those things have now slipped out of my mind. But one thing has stayed and actually pestered me to write you. She says, as you might remember... We own three acres. We have 25 chickens and roosters, two turkeys, three cats, three American guinea hogs, a dog, and a rabbit. As far as the animal side goes, she says all is well. The two turkeys are going going to freezer camp this Tuesday. The laying hens are producing a full force for now. I'm selling my eggs to neighbors. I'm covering the cost for chicken feed, so I can't complain. That's awesome. Yeah. She says, what I want to write about is my garden. And she says, (laughs) oh, Lena, I'm so I, I'm I'm so happy to hear you and, and to see you say this. Why? She said this is hard to say. I hate my garden. <laughs> <laughs> she says, or should I say, I hated my garden since the season is passing into winter. She says, I hated my garden. And she says, let me say, this is not my first garden. I've had gardens in the past of some size, mostly tomatoes, <clears throat> potatoes, carrots, pumpkin, and squash. Those I can grow without any serious problems. Some successes, some failures, but all that goes with the garden territory, right? Every year there's something. You gain yes. confidence, and yes. then something comes along and it knocks your garden pins out from under you. Absolutely. Yes. Squash bugs, nematodes, mildew, corn smut. Corn Toma- smut, right? Tomato blight. Yeah, every year. And it's every year there's something It's something new, Yeah. right? One can't truly feel you've got this beat. Mother Nature is a cruel girl, she says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Lena... It says, uh, I knew this patch was much larger than I had tackled before. No problem, I thought. An hour a day should be good. I knew the patch was covered in weeds before we prepared a rototill. No problem. I can beat him by keeping ahead of the game. Mulching will help. And my other favorite, I have plenty of time to do this. Plus, mm-hmm. the kids will help. Mm-hmm. Lies, lies, says Lena. Yeah. Law, all lies. Kids will help is the biggest lie ever. Right. by any gardener. She said, uh, spring was fine. Some crop failures due to the wet, no problem. These things happen. Summer will be better. In the spring and the cool beginnings of June, the garden was staying calm and manageable, but then the warm weather started, and boom, the garden would be filled overnight with weeds. Mm-hmm. The next day, there'd be four inches and knee-high by the time I got a hoe out. It seemed like it anyway. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> and she said, what I did this summer, I can't truly tell you. It's all one big blur. 4-H, fair, chickens, family visits, senior graduation, movies, sleepovers, picnics, car shows, 
Ah! She says, to quote Alice's white rabbit, no time, no time, I'm late. Oftentimes, I'd walk by the garden after feeding the chickens. I'd turn on the sprinkler and apologize to the plants. I'll be back, I would promise. I lied to them, too, Lena says. <laughs> this sounds so familiar, Lena. This, yeah. this really, truly does. I would kind of go out to the garden and say, oh, I'm going to water you. I'll be back to weed. Oh, thank you for the tomatoes. I'll be back to weed. Really, I'll, I'll be back. And then something else would happen and something else would happen. And then, oh, my gosh, the weeds. <laughs> she, uh, Lena says, uh, eventually, I, I grew to resent the garden. The yeah. perpetual unfinished project. I would wait for the little beans to ripen just a little more, and I'd miss my opportunity by being gone on a day trip and bang, overripe, pig feed. Wait for the grape tomatoes to turn all the way red, and the chickens find another way into the greenhouse. Gone, and now cue the weeds. More weeds. <laughs> How's the garden? People would kindly ask. Well, honestly, I hate it, and it's mocking tone is what I wanted to say. Oh, you never do. Like, yay right. for her for having the courage to write this down because I totally feel that right. I know. She says, uh, I want, you know, I, I would answer, oh, you know, it's hit or miss. But I did hate it. I felt like a yeah. failure and I had to get over that. But how? She says, uh, kill it. Just burn it to the ground. That's what I'm doing this year. I'm just going to burn mine to the ground and start all over. Well, she says, um, there it was. I'd feed the chickens, and it was looking at me when I went to water the rent-a-goats. And she says, that's a story for later. Oh. <laughs> um, and then she said, well, listen to the podcast. I heard you say something to the effect of, our garden got away from us this year, and we are so done with it. Oh, joy, <laughs> Lena says. I wanted to hug and kiss you both. It is so nice to hear someone else say the same thing. Like, okay. Yeah. She says, I am not a failure. I no. am just a gardener. You're, well, here's no. the thing. You're not just a gardener, Lena. If you were just a gardener, you wouldn't be writing this this wonderful email. And you no. are, I have to say, by the way, you you may not feel like you are a good gardener, but you are a wonderful writer, Lena. And you should I, really, I hope that you find the time in your very busy life to continue writing because uh, reading yeah. your letters are a, a real joy. Um, you're not just a gardener. You're a mom. You are a rent-a-goat keeper. You are a chicken keeper. You're a mom. That's a that's a full-time job in and of itself. It's like herding cats, right? Like, we know that. So, uh, it, it's it's you're, you're you're certainly not a failure. No. You are. In fact, I would say the fact that you were struggling to find time for your garden means that you were living a very rich and bountiful life this yeah. summer. And uh, anyway, Lena writes, I picked the pumpkins and the spaghetti squash, which was both kind to of me this year. I picked the last of the red tomatoes, the carrots, and the chili peppers. We set up a hot wire system. We moved the pigs into the garden. Yeah, we were going to do that, but instead we moved them We kind of moved them laterally else. over. But the, the where we moved them was sort of like the the volunteer garden area anyway so there's a whole bunch of things for them to eat right and they may get moved in there uh in, in just a little bit but right yeah. now they're doing just fine uh lena says i'm okay with my garden now i will dust myself off i will try again next year it'll be better less weeds yeah big poop manure is great more spacing between plants the yeah, kids yeah. are older i'll have more time <laughs> uh, yeah I, I i'm gonna high five you right there darling i'm i'm right with you i've got the same mentality It'll be better next year. And uh, Lena says, I thank you again for your great podcast. I so enjoy listening to your stories and your insight into small farm adventures. We hope someday to visit the lovely Farmville, Virginia, and maybe run into you and your family and swap a few war stories. Well, I will tell you this right now, Lena. If you and your family make it down from Idaho to beautiful Farmville, Virginia, 
and you don't tell us ahead of time so that we can be sure to run into each other and swap some more stories, I will be very offended. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do uh, hope that uh, you make it down here to Farmville. And uh, if I make it up to Idaho, I will certainly let you know. All right, listen, why don't we take a quick time out? We've got more of your thoughts, more emails, and thank you again. This is uh, fantastic. I love being able to uh, uh, have a conversation and not just a monologue here on 40 Acres and a Fool. So we will be right back with more of your thoughts right after this here on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Rabbi Daniel Lappin, On Demand. We live in a dual reality. We live in a reality of a physical life and a spiritual life. When I use the term spiritual life here, I'm not using spiritual in any sense as synonymous with good. Spiritual simply means something which cannot be measured in a laboratory. It is not a physical quantity. Rabbi Daniel Lappin, On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. (laughs) 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you again for tuning in and being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. From the Blaze Radio Network, Cam Edwards, uh, just outside of beautiful Farmville, Virginia, gathered around the kitchen table with Miss E. Uh, Bullet has been sent off to bed because he was being a little mouthy. And uh, he, he he can be... A loud dog, all of his uh, 100-plus pounds. Uh, I want to get to a a few more emails uh, here before we run out of time for this segment. Uh, And this is a really cool one, uh, Missy. I think you'll like this one as well. Uh, This is from Brian. He said, uh, you mentioned your daughter went back to school in her late 20s for an engineering degree. This was on uh, uh, NRA News a couple of Mm -hmm. days ago. We were talking about this. Uh, Brian says, at the age of 18, I started my college career at a very expensive private university just south of Los Angeles. Let's just call it the university in Southern California. Uh, Brian says, after three semesters, I was some $30,000 in debt. I had a 1.6-ish GPA. Mm. On my second semester of academic probation, I had changed majors three times, maybe four. Brian says, I can't say that I flunked out or got kicked out. It just kind of stopped going, and I started working. I had a knack for computer work, and I became a network administrator for 14 years. It was a decent living, he says, but I hated every blessed minute of it. After the dot-com collapse, there were long periods where I had a hard time finding a job at all. After 14 years, I realized I just didn't want to do it anymore, so I decided to change careers. Brian says, interestingly enough, I could literally have flipped a coin at this point to choose between engineering and a culinary degree. Mm. Uh, In the end, he says, I decided spending every night, weekend, and holiday in a 120-degree kitchen while someone yelled at me in French was not what I wanted, and I chose engineering. (laughs) So Brian says, I worked full-time while going to community college. I got my associate's degree with almost straight A's, despite the severe lack of sleep and a lot of long nights with the books. With my wife's understanding, I then stopped working to go to university full-time. He said, the knowledge of how badly I had screwed up at 18 and the feeling that I wasn't absolutely pulling my weight was quite a driving force. By the time that I had graduated, I joined two honor societies. I had several internships, and I was something of an academic success. Again, thanks to many late nights and much hard work, plus endless understanding from my wife, who was still working full-time at a job that she certainly didn't love either. Brian says, at this point, I have a master's degree in electrical engineering. I'm working on one of America's next-man spacecraft candidates, and I teach part-time at the university I got my degree from. Brian says, I feel like I've made up for the mistakes of my youth in a big way. The pay's better, but there's more than that. He says, there's a serious sense of pride. 
And Brian writes, I'm sure that your daughters realize this now, but for certain, although the path that she's on is going to suck hard for quite a few years, the end results can absolutely be worth the pain. And I think that you'll find that college isn't such a strange problem as it was in her youth. Brian says, I wish her the best. I congratulate her on making the choice to go into engineering, whatever flavor of the field (laughs) that she may choose. And Brian, thank you so much for, for writing that because, you know, I think that is something that, uh, my daughter is 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 feeling right now that um, you know she waited too long to do this that she's it, it, it's it's life is going to pass her by by the time she gets her degree because she's going back part time. Um, but as you say, I mean, you did this for 14 years as a network administrator, so you it sounded like you were in your uh, early 30s when you decided I want to do something else, um, and good for you for that and and good for your wife um for supporting you in your decision to do that but also good for you for working your rear end off and putting yourself through college and continuing to provide for your family and you know i i I think if you uh if you want it you can get it you you can get it done you just have to be willing to put in the sweat equity and sometimes we don't know what we want to do when we're 18 sometimes we don't know what we want to do when we're 22 or 23 no um you know, I was really, really lucky to have sort of found um, a, a career that I, I really enjoyed pretty early on. I think I only just figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up a couple of years ago. <laughs> as a farmer? Yeah. As yeah. a farmer, as a, a person, you know, somebody's learning and making and doing. Because, you know, you know, when we first met, and I was always, I was making and doing. I was, right. I was sewing and knitting and cooking and whatever, but this has taken making and doing to hold a completely different level. Oh, yes, it has. Yes, it has. Um, our final email of the uh, program this week from Greenhawk, who says, uh, Cam, I enjoy your show, and I would like to wish Miss E.A. speedy recovery. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Greenhawk says, I also have some comments inspired by your views. Exposing Brian Lombardi's New York Times article concerning the modern man. Uh, He says, uh, when Lombardi uses the phrase gauche simpleton and later suggests that men become little spoons and cry often, uh, he says, I think he's trying to get a reaction from those who find themselves challenged by these images. I, I, I would think the ones that he would be trying to get a reaction from wouldn't necessarily uh, understand gauche simpleton, but uh, you know, I I certainly understood it. I got the reaction. I think the whole look, you you write to generate a reaction. If you're, I, it sounds like like maybe you think he was trolling a little bit, like it wasn't serious uh, with that. Which you know, you might be right. I've seen other people suggest that uh, a greenhawk. I I don't know. To me, if I'm writing, I, I guess it shows how old fashioned I am. If I have the opportunity. To put my name on something that runs in something as uh, with as big a circulation as the New York Times, I'm either going to be all serious, I'm going to be completely ridiculous, but I'm not going to try to blend the two uh, in a list form where you don't know which one's a serious point and which one's the the silly point. Well, that's, that seems sort of pointless. It does point. seem sort of pointless. How do you take that person seriously? Well, or how, you, which ones do you yeah. take? You you don't. You take the whole thing and throw it out the window. Right. The window. The window. <laughs> Renock says, uh, and when he writes, the modern man has no use for a gun. 
He doesn't own one, and he never will. It seems obvious that uh, this guy's a product of downstate New York, which has firmly alienated itself from <laughs> upstate New York in this issue. Uh, he says, one may view a map of counties which refuse to comply with the now-famed New York Safe Act to see this divide. I Listen, uh, you know, I was up for the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association meeting in uh, Poughkeepsie earlier this year, and I, I know uh, firsthand how divided the state of New York is. And when you get outside of the New York metropolitan area, how you will find politicians, Republicans, and Democrats uh, who say that uh, they object to the SAFE Act. Uh, uh, Greenock says, as an upstate New Yorker, I believe New York City really does consider itself a world unto itself. Despite its cultural gifts, I feel it exemplifies just how out of touch a society can get, spawning ignorance of both domestic and world affairs. Who else would elect the self-righteous, meddling media mogul Michael Bloomberg as mayor? Um, I don't know. He might, he, you know, there's talk that he might try to run for mayor of London, believe it or not, uh, Greenock, because apparently he's a citizen of the world. I know. I know. And I don't even think they would let people with dual citizenship be able to run any part of London. Uh, say that a little bit closer into the microphone here. Well, I was saying, like, even if, like, there's no way England would let anybody who had dual citizenship be in charge. Yeah. Anything. Uh, so Greenhawk says, um, he says, we take so much for granted. As a praying man, I realize the act of saying grace and thanks is a small gesture towards acknowledging what has been given. And as someone relatively new to the gun culture, I now have a deep appreciation for the hunter and farmer who have more than a cursory connection to the land and its fruits. In contrast to the abuses rampant in factory farming, the homesteader and hunter act to protect and preserve resources and true appreciation because they know what each step along the way requires mm-hmm. from nursery to dinner plate. Uh, Greenock says, I don't disagree with many of Brian Lombardi's, uh, Lombardi's points of what it takes to be a modern man. And, you know, honestly, there are some in there that are completely uh, unobjectionable, uh, Greenhawk, but there are some that are also just, <laughs> just bananas. Yeah, I know, bananas. Uh, like, seriously, that's not a, I, I, okay, that's not a real man that I want to have as my man. Uh, I hope in the growing Thanksgiving season we may grow in appreciation uh, for those of us who are blessed with the closeness of family and friends, I wish for sincere realization of what we have and why we have it. It is the knowing that makes it all the more precious. So God bless, says uh, Greenhawk uh, Joe from uh, North Syracuse. Joe, listen, thank you so much, sir, and happy Thanksgiving to uh, to you and yours, and happy Thanksgiving to all of you as well. And uh, along those lines, as we uh, head out here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool, I think actually we'll be back uh, with you before Thanksgiving. I think we'll have a uh, an episode next week as well. Um I, I do want to let you know, Joe. You know, you're talking about the the modern man and the uh, uh, the homesteader and and the, the 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 individual, the the hunter, the people who are pushing themselves. Uh, I would encourage you to go to nranews.com and uh, obviously watch NRA News Cam and Company each and every day, multiple times a day. Email the link to your friends and family to the point that they say, "Stop, stop! I'm watching it already." Um, but beyond that, we're live, you know, two to five Eastern every weekday on nranews.com. Beyond that, there is a, a a new show. Actually, not a new show, but it's a new season of I Am Forever, which is uh, just came out. First episode of season two came out on nranews.com this week. It is fantastic, and it is all about this. It is all about pushing yourself. It is all about how far we have come. And look, there is no better time to be alive on planet Earth than right now. And I believe there's no better place on Earth to be alive than the United States of America. I am very grateful for all that we have. But 
in all that we have, we have also lost something. We are we don't we don't have the challenges that our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents had to face as a daily matter of just going through life and cooking dinner. We get to use microwaves. It's not a all-day process to make a meal now. It's not a five-hour process to do our laundry. You don't have to uh, carry water up from the creek because now we have running water. There are a lot of conveniences that uh, make us a little bit softer. And uh, I Am Forever is all about that that recognition of you kind of have to push yourself in this world if you don't want to be a snowflake because it's really easy to be a snowflake. Uh, as I write in Heavy Lifting, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice with my co-author Jim Garrity, you know, we, we're writing about the snowflakes who are millennials, but I say compared to my parents, I'm a snowflake too. Um, and so I Am Forever is all about that. It's all about that that decision and that determination to not be a snowflake. It is a story of a man who came to this country as a young boy with nothing, who is the epitome of the anti-snowflake. Uh, and it's got some uh, pretty interesting commentary from some uh, NRA News Cam and Company regulars like uh, Seton Motley, Andrew Langer, uh, and myself as well. So make sure you check out I Am Forever on NRANews.com. And uh, thanks again, Joe. You should watch it too, Missy. You'd like it. Okay. Next time you come to the office, because, you know, the satellite internet doesn't really allow us to stream a lot of video. No, but, uh, not here. All right. You look like you're pretty tired. You ready to go to bed? It's late. It is late. All right. We're going to wrap things up here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Thank you for being a part of the program. Thank you, Missy, for being a part of the program. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.